2 this morning. In Luke chapter 2, and uh, just as um, we'll be touched base on, you know, last week, was mainly about making much of Jesus Christ during this, especially during this season. We should always make much of Jesus Christ, but especially during the time that we've set aside to celebrate his birth, we make sure that that is the center focus and the, and the, um, and the main idea that we carry throughout this, um, throughout this holiday season. And you know, we talked about that it wasn't really about the gifts or the trees or the decorations or the Christmas music or not even our families and friends and the parties that we go. And there's certainly many things that Christmas is not about, but it truly is all about Jesus Christ. It truly is about Him and Him alone, Him becoming a man and entering into our world for the purpose of giving us and bringing us salvation through Jesus Christ. And so for a few moments this morning today, I want us to revisit Luke chapter 2 as we go back to that little town of Bethlehem, and let's allow Jesus Christ to truly transform our Christmas season. You know, the night that God became flesh and dwelt among us and walked among the ranks of men, and His life and His death, burial, and resurrection is the greatest moment in, entire, in our entire history was whenever God became a man for the purpose of saving his people, and that is a reason for each and every one of us to celebrate this morning. Now, what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be answering the question, you know, why should we proclaim the gospel message? Trust me, that's the title. That's what's up there. But why should we, why should we proclaim the gospel message now, within the last two weeks, you've heard, you've heard messages that were encouraging us to, um, to really nail down this gospel presentation thing. Two weeks ago, Sean, he brought, brought forth his message. Many of us were moved as we were, um, as the sin of our silence was really brought to the surface. And, and we were moved to repent of our disobedience to Jesus' command. And last week, you were met with a, with a challenge to actually put some feet to that repentance, to show your first works by making a commitment to just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to one person before the close of the year. And I think that we can certainly do that. And this morning, what we're going to be talking about is reasons why we should proclaim the gospel message. But something I want to challenge you with is a glass. Nothing magical about this glass, all right? But this is going to hold the names of the people to whom you share the gospel with between now and the 30th, 31st of December. Now, what I want this to serve is I want it to serve as a constant reminder. Every Sunday you come in here, I want you to be stared in the face by this thing that's going to remind you that you need to get a name in order to put in here. But also, as you put your name, it'll be a constant reminder for you to give honor and glory to God for the opportunity that he gave you in order, to, in order to preach the gospel to that person. So throughout the entire month of December, we're going to have this here. I want it to be a reminder to you. This is a challenge. This is a very risky thing for me to do. Why is it risky? My fear is that there won't be any names in here. That's my fear. Okay. I want there to be some names. I want there to be at least a hundred names to represent at least one from every person who was here last week and hearing this message today. But we have reason to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
I'm really wanting to see how God will, um, God will impact our community if we will move in obedience to preach the gospel. But this is a message that we truly should be proclaiming. And through the, through the scripture that we're going to be in today, we'll be able to extrapolate a few of those reasons. And the first thing I want us to see is that, uh, that it is a peaceful message. We should proclaim this message because it is a peaceful message. Let's get back to where we are. There we go. It's a peaceful message. Now what it, now what it served for is that it was, a calm, it, was a, it was a calming message that came to the shepherds. Now the very first thing that the angel said to the shepherds was what? Fear not. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. The message of Jesus Christ is a calming message to our souls. It's one that brings peace to our souls, to our, to our innermost being. The message that Jesus Christ uh, was, was coming was actually a, a relief for Joseph as well. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, listen to this. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, was not wanting to make a public, her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, we'll get to the rest in just a second, just think about the, the position that Joseph was in, realizing that his fiance was pregnant and he knowing that it was not his. The realization has not come to him. The, the, the angel had not come to him yet to tell him, look, it's okay. The, the child that she is bearing is conceived of the Holy Spirit. But just, just understand that whenever that message came to him, as, and as we see in verse 20 there in Matthew chapter 1, it says, but while he thought about these things, as these things were on his mind, you can just imagine the questions that were going through his mind. What will people think? What will people say? You know, the things that he's going to have to go through, the ridicule that people will think without knowing all of the information about the situation. It could be, bring a very stressful time for him. But as he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And as he understood and knew the truth that this was the Messiah that was to come, his fears, his anxieties could be relieved because of that. I want you to understand as we become children of God, as we proclaim the message and people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, it will, re it will remove fears from our lives. We have no reason to fear. The, the things that we fear the most, one is, the, is death. Whenever it comes to death, people are afraid because they don't know where they're going to end up. There's many people who are confused about if there is an afterlife, if there is not an afterlife, or if they do believe in a heaven and hell. A lot of people are confused about where they are going. A lot, of, a, lot of, um, a lot of people will say that you can never know where you're going. You'll just die, and then you'll just have to figure it out. But I want you to understand that the message of Jesus Christ is a cut and dry thing. When we truly repent of our sins and trust Christ as our personal Savior, the fear of death is eliminated. Now, we may have anxiety about how we may pass away or how, or how that's going to happen, but the fact of the matter is, is whenever we close our eyes in death, we open our eyes, we know that we can be in the presence of our Heavenly Father, and that will put that fear to rest. We, we no longer fear death. We no longer fear, fear hell or Satan. 
And certainly the things in this life, if Jesus has completely saved us from our eternity, separated from him, the things in this life are, 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 um, are within his ability to take care of and to handle. So yes, it is a calming message that can bring us a peace within our heart that can only, that can only come from knowing him as your savior. It's a salvation message. Notice the angels, they said, look, we bring good tidings of great joy, which is to all people, which is to all people, and unto you a Savior is born. It's great news because it is for everyone. It's for, it's, uh, no, matter, no matter where we come from or what we are, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people, for all ages. When they come to know him as their personal Savior, salvation is offered to them. And we're looking at the, uh, the titles that, that, came to, that, um, that were used to describe Jesus Christ. So do not be, be afraid, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, for there is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Jesus came as a Savior. In order for it to be a Savior, there, there has to be a reason for which we need to be saved. We need to be saved from the, from, the, from the penalty of our sins. Jesus is called our Savior. He's not just an, a good teacher. He's not just an example by which we should try to pattern our lives, but he is truly our Savior. You know, if our greatest need was information to come to us, then God would have come in the form of an educator. If we needed more technology, he would have come in the form of a scientist. If we needed more money, he would have come in the form of an, econ of, a, of an economist. If we needed pleasure, he would have come as an entertainer. And if he wanted to come and give us justice, he could have very well, very well done that and came as the judge at that moment, and rightfully so. But however, he saw our need and the love that he had for each and every one of us. He came to be a savior for us. He saw that we needed redemption. We needed forgiveness of our sin. We needed to be reconciled to him. And the only way to make that possible was for his son, Jesus Christ, to come into our world, to live, to die, and to be resurrected for our salvation. He was also entitled the Christ. He was the anointed one. He's the very son of God. This is, this is him in the fulfillment of the promises and the prophecies all the way back from the Garden of Eden. He was the one that was to come. He was also called Lord and Sovereign God. Now, last week we talked about this a little bit, but he is the Sovereign God, God in the flesh, who came to us in our greatest time of need. He is the one who is to be served. He is the one to be worshipped and adored. It is a wonderful message that can bring peace about us in our hearts whenever we come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior because it puts all of our doubts and fears aside when we truly know him. And also the message of the gospel is a directional message. It's one that points to Jesus Christ. Whenever we're delivering the message of, of the gospel, whenever we're preaching it, we've got to make sure that it's directed towards Jesus Christ. We've got to make sure that that is the focal point whenever we share this. Notice that the angel said, and this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, I assume it wasn't customary during that time to lay your baby in a feeding trough. So, however, they were able to really narrow this down. So when they went into Bethlehem, they found the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The message that came, it was a directed point to Jesus Christ. If we're trying to, if we're trying to gain, gain happiness or fulfillment in anything other than Jesus Christ, we are actually delivering the wrong messages. The message of Jesus Christ, it must be directed towards him. 
whenever we're sharing this message, we have to understand that we are giving directions. But how many of you have ever followed directions whenever, um, to a place that you didn't want to go? None. None of us, right? And how many of you ever, ever asked for directions to go somewhere, but you didn't know where you were going? Right. We can't expect that to happen even whenever we are responsible with the gospel. So if you can, you can go up to someone and say, look, Jesus Christ is gonna, is the, should be the Lord of your life. Therefore, you know, ask him into your heart and be saved and your life is going to be great. Very few people are going to see the necessity in doing that. Why? Because we haven't given them the reason why they need to put Jesus Christ on. As we talked about last week, we must address every issue of the gospel in order for someone to intelligently understand why they need to put Jesus Christ on. Yes, Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, but if someone doesn't understand that their sin is what caused the death of Jesus Christ, then it's not made personal on their own self, they're not going to reach out to Jesus Christ for the proper reasons. And I want you to understand, there is no salvation outside of repentance and faith in Christ. And you can't repent of your sins if you don't feel like you've done anything wrong. You won't turn to Jesus Christ for forgiveness if you really don't think you've offended him. So we must understand, we must address that. It must be a directional message that points to Jesus Christ. We must illustrate the problem of our sin and then point to Jesus Christ as a solution. Because in that point, they will be willing to take those directions and reach out to the Christ who's the cure for our sin. So it's a directional message. Not only that, but it's a heralded message. Notice the angels, they praised their creator. They gave praise to God as they were praising God for the peace that he was bringing to all men. It says, glory to God on the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. See, during this time, Rome had brought the people peace of, from war through war during this time. But I want you to understand when Jesus Christ came, he came to bring peace to men with God through his death on the cross. According to what Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 tells us, it tells us, therefore, having been justified by faith, we now have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The message, is, the message that we carry is not a hostile message. It's not a hostile message. It's not something that we're trying to take people over with. This is a message that we share for the benefit of the other person. You know, everybody, everybody in, in today's world is trying to be sold something. Everybody's trying to sell something, trying to give something away for free, but there's always a catch. But I want you to understand in true Christianity, true followers of Jesus, carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we share the message, it is for the benefit of the person. It is for their benefit. Yes, we get the joy of being an obedient um, follower of Jesus Christ when we share that message, but we want them to experience the same thing that we had experienced. So we have to understand that this message is also a praiseworthy message. It's one, that we should be, it's one that we should preach. It's one that we should do without reserve, without apology, and we should do it understanding that this is something that people truly do need, and we want them to experience the forgiveness that God brings us whenever we trust in Jesus Christ. And secondly, it's a, not only is it a peaceful a message of peace, but it's a praiseworthy message. It's a praiseworthy message. Now, after the, um, after the shepherds, they took heed to the direction that was given to them by the angels in verse 15. 
It says, so it was that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go into Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those that heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. When we look upon this, we see that these guys are shepherds, correct? And during this time, shepherds, they were the social outcasts of the community. Their duties out in the fields made them unclean, and the fact that they were unable to come back to the temple for weeks at a time prevented them from becoming clean. The social outcasts is what the shepherds were, but yet it was the shepherds whom the angels came to deliver the message of the good news of the gospel. Now, what this does, this illustrates that the gospel is for everyone. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but it really doesn't matter who we are. We may not like them, the, our, our enemies, our friends. This message is for everyone, no matter what social status someone may be, no matter how much money they have or not, whether they're good-looking or whether they're ugly, whether they struggle or not, whether they're rich or they're poor, it doesn't really matter. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for every single person. For the grace of God that, that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, and it is for all men. And we have the ability, we have the power to become the sons of God when we truly trust in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. But notice when the shepherds, they were obedient to the message. They came and they found Jesus. And as we talked about last week, and after, being, after coming face to face with Jesus and, 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 uh, and finding Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger, just as the angel said, upon the excitement and the fulfillment that it brought upon them, it compelled them to make widely known all the things that were con said concerning this child. Their hearts had been changed, and they were met with that feeling of, of um, of just, of just making known the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what we're talking about now is that the fact that it was a praiseworthy message. And I want you to understand what, what Jesus can do in our lives is completely and totally un, unexplainable, un, undescribable, and is completely and totally overwhelming at times. And in verse 20, it says that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now, as these men returned, I want you to notice something. Their circumstances didn't change. Their circumstances had not changed at all. They were still shepherds. They were still social outcasts. They were still in the field. Their circumstances were the same. And though their circumstances had not changed, what had changed was their hearts. These men returned with hearts full of praise for the Lord. And it's, a, it's, it's an amazing thing, the difference that Jesus Christ can make in our lives. I want you to understand, if you know Jesus Christ, and, and you can see that no matter how bad your situation may be, you have a great and powerful God that loves you. We have a great and powerful God with whom we can know through Jesus Christ. And no matter what we go through in our day-to-day -day lives, we can always rest in knowing that we do truly belong to him. In Romans 8, verse 17, 
through 18. Now Paul says this. He says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and then joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Yes, our times are, can, can be very troubling in this life. You know, I, I wouldn't sit here and tell you, tell you a lie that whenever you put on the Lord Jesus Christ that things get better in your life. Your circumstances may never change, but what changes is your eternity, your perspective of life. The fact that you can always turn to the fact that you know Christ is your personal Savior gives you reason to bring honor and glory, glory to him, just as the shepherds did. Their lives didn't change. They didn't become rich and wealthy and become high on the society list. No, their, their circumstances stayed the same. They were still shepherds, but yet they were willing and, 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 um, and uh, they were willing to be praising God for the wonderful things that he had done for them. So yes, the, the message that we preach is a praiseworthy message. And lastly, the Christmas message is not one to be ignored. The Christmas message is not one to be ignored. Now take a look in verse 7. So then she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and lied him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now in the scripture, we can't find that there's any evil intent mentioned you know, by the innkeeper. You know, there's no evil intent mentioned by anybody. The fact that the only, the only thing that we do understand is that there was absolutely no there was no room for Jesus in the end, for Mary and Joseph to come. But then you ask, got to ask a question, you know, how, you know, how many people would actually turn away a pregnant woman who's most likely having contractions in the times coming where she is going to have to have a baby? One, it reveals that the innkeeper was, one, not willing to push others out in order for Jesus to come in, and anyone else who was in there was not willing to move and let her have their spot. Now, in our our day-to-day lives, I want you to understand, whenever it comes to making Jesus a part of our lives, we need to make sure that we make room for him. Now, a lot of us may be living lives where there is absolutely no more room for anything else in our lives. We are packed full. Our schedules are full. We have school. We have work. We have things that are going on at the house. We have different things things for which we are committed to. We have our lives that are just packed full of stuff. And it it may be a true for you that you don't have room for Jesus. Everything is just packed in. You can't fit in anything else into your schedule. Just as the innkeeper had no more room to crowd Jesus in. But what would he have to do? One, he's going to have to push people out in order to make room. Now, that must be exactly what we must do when it comes to Jesus in our lives. This is a message that doesn't need to be... That doesn't need to be um, um, uh, be ignored, especially in the, in the world in which we live. People don't have room, but we need, to give them the, we need to give them the message that says, look, you need to make room for Jesus. If there's one thing that you need to, to make room for, it's going to be making room for Jesus Christ in your life. Yes, you may, have, may, you may be um, completely and totally packed with your schedule, and you don't have any time for anything else, but Jesus is the one thing that is worthy of cutting something out in order to make room for him. 
We may have to adjust our lifestyles in order to be a, be a follower of Jesus Christ. But in fact, it is a message that we do not ignore. Now, adding Jesus, it must be an option. You know, we may have to make room for him. We must carve out that room. But I want you to understand that the innkeeper, in not making room for Jesus, missed out, didn't he? He missed out on the joy that the shepherds were able to share. And though it may be possible that the innkeeper was made aware of this, of, of this Jesus, whenever the shepherds made it widely known, it's very possible that he came to the knowledge of who Jesus was. But that I, I guarantee you, once they come to understand who he was, there was certainly some regret in not housing the Messiah when he got here. So when it comes to this Christmas season, when it comes to us making that commitment to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want us to go with the perspective that the message that we preach is a peaceful message. It is for all people, for all times and all places. And it's something that we should share with one another in, in, in order for their lives to be impacted. And, and, and during this Christmas season, the, the, the message that we, that we share should be one that is praiseworthy, to bring honor and glory to God. And we must really stress to people in this world that the, that the message that we are delivering should not be ignored. Because once it's ignored, once it's pushed aside, if the shepherds could have been in the fields and they could have, they could have pushed it off, said, look, I'm not really interested in going, or they could have hung around and waited until it was too late and Jesus was no longer there, they would have had a definitely different story. But we must ponder on this, these reasons to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. It is a peaceful, praiseworthy message that should not be rejected. So this morning as we have just a short time of invitation, I really want us to really focus on the fact of the message that we have. And as we stand, as we do prepare for this time, it'll be, a, it'll be an invitation where there's no singing. But if we just prayerfully consider, pray, pray, and let's pray that God would open up these opportunities that we've made a commitment to do. We want to be able to preach the gospel. We want people to be, lives to be changed. We want to, be, to bring God honor and glory to him. Let's stand as we pray. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the wonderful grace that you've bestowed upon us and the gift that we have through Jesus Christ. Father, as we sit here and we ask ourselves this question, are we like the angels or the shepherds? Are we pointing people to Jesus Christ? God, we have the greatest message of all with the greatest reasons to share. And Father, help us, just help us to be obedient to you and help us to walk in your light. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.